You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Now Jones escapes pressure, fires downfield, and it's caught! Darius Slayton! Man, this kid is awesome. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey Grump, what's going on? Happy Monday. Uh, took a little trip down to D.C. yesterday to watch some baseball. It was nice to get out in the city for a weekend. Uh, other than that, not too much going on, just except for some uh, some lightning playoffs. All you Islander fans out there who are listening, I'm sure there's some of you. Enjoy your one win. I think you're getting many more. Well, I mean, if you're if you're not a Nets fan, then there's not much else going on. But <laughs> and judging by the attendance and judging by the interest in the city, there's not many of you out there. Anyway, um, I mean, there's not much going on for me because yeah, as much I'm as a Nets fan in name only. I mean, hooray! But I'm still not watching, and I don't care. But you're um, a Nino, is what you are. Yeah, I guess so. Right? I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm I'm happy for them. I if if I were who I was 20 years ago, I would be crapping my khakis over how good they are this year. But I'm not, <laughs> and I don't care about basketball. I care about football, so that's what we're talking about. Um, and thankfully, the NFL is probably the most active year-round American sport, where there's just truly always something to talk about for football. So for you know, for this week, we can talk about the fact that mandatory minicamp has wrapped up. It has been a relatively quiet affair. Uh, you know, no big injuries to speak of. You know, minor things of people slipping on some turf, you know, walking off with trainers. But everybody's fine. You know, we've got some guys rehabbing who are off to the side. We expect this coaching staff to be very cautious, especially at this time with no pressure for any of those guys like Kyle Rudolph, Saquon Barkley, etc. Um but mandatory minicamp is over, and there was not much to do about it. So when there isn't anything to talk about, the only thing there is to do is to make up shit to talk about. So that's kind of what has been Giants news the last week, two weeks, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, apparently Kadarius Tony makes makes the news again for, you know, what is or isn't red flags, you know, for him. Uh, in that he showed up for mandatory minicamp after he signed his contract, but did not uh, really attend a lot of the voluntary stuff. He was kind of there a little bit, then didn't show up, kind of left early some days, whatever. So apparently that qualifies as news these days, and we can rehash the whole pre-draft red flags thing. Well, I don't think Kadarius Tony made any news. I think people who like to make news made news. I mean, th- th- these are stories and concerns out of nothing. And I think when you we sit around and we have nothing to do all off season, and you know, if you don't know a story and a narrative is kind of preset for you of what to expect, you start finding boogeymen. And I think that you know the terms red flag, doghouse, suspended, that all just jumps into your narrative, and it's narratives only continue if they get oxygen. And I think, you know, Darius Tony didn't get a leave practice one day during rookie, you know, when he did it was out there because he didn't have the right cleat on. That is, doesn't mean shit or Shinola when it comes to what happened when Darius Tony was a sophomore at UF or, you know, legally having a gun in his car. But, you know, we're going to make the, the jump from A to B to Z really quickly. And, you know, much ado is about nothing became, you know, in some circles, major concerns. And, I, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know, in November, in weeks 15, what happened in minicamp is completely irrelevant. You know, if Kadarius Tony is not on the field for disciplinary actions, that's fine. If he's not on the field because he was injured, that's fine. If he's in the middle of a pretty successful rookie campaign, that's fine. 
if he's a bust in his first year, whether he just has the drops or, you know, can't get, can't learn the playbook and, or he's buried behind other people, that's fine. But let's let it play out for those to be the scenarios that actually happened. Let's not go into this because, you know, I guarantee you, most people who listen to this show don't know as much about Kadarius Tony as I do. And I'm not saying it's to be a dick, but like, you know, I have a completely different narrative of what the guy is than what most of you people do who didn't know who he was, you know, before you started talking about the draft and into your details. So, you know, that's why I, I hate the off season because we just, because, like, to your point, the NFL is like the NBA and college football are year-round cottage industries of content, you know, content for ESPN, content for Twitter, content for dopes like me and Grump that you, know, you have to find something to talk about. And that jumps quickly to getting clicks and getting ratings. Well, and- let's, let's clear something up first. This idea that... Um, this idea that anything rehashes red flags in the pre-draft process, it's amazing how short some people's memories are. The draft was only like, what, two months ago? If that. These reports of him having red flags came out literally the day before the draft. I mean, but, this, but, is, this but was there's not, nothing new. But what I'm <laughs> saying, what I'm saying is the issues that are brought up about the, the, the gun in the car, you know, which again, legally purchased, legally owned. What he didn't get arrested. It was brought up when he was pulled over for a seatbelt thing. You know, he was suspended among many other Florida players for one game, I think, for offseason well, well, bullshit. Well, but well, the, well, the point well, is, on. let me clear up. Let me clear up. The policy of Florida, and this goes back, you know, before. Dan Mullen, this goes back to Urban Meyer and even before that is they never, ever announce what a suspension is for. They always say it's something along the lines of not living up to the Gator standards. So you will never hear a reason why in the first game, the first scrub game, why players don't play. It's most likely because of something to do with pot, something to do with grades, something to do with missing school. You know, or little stupid shit that accumulates throughout the year. So I, I, I want to just clear up that he was never officially suspended because of any specific gun incident. It was just under that. And that's an important distinction to make. I mean, I guess so. That we can reasonably assume that it it played a part in it in some fashion. Um, but the reason why we can reasonably assume that is because it's literally the only blemish on the dude's record. You know, th- th- as far as Everyone and believe me, they dig up every scrap of dirt going back to middle school for these players. It's the only thing that's ever come up. Yeah, the two things that have come up are two separate incidents. The one was there was a guy. I think his name is Trey Bangs or some. Yeah, yeah, Tay Bang. Yeah, some some local punk in, in, in Gainesville where there was an incident where there was a a beef with football players, plural, where. These guys are trying to start actually start fights on campus with football players, and a bunch of them, you know, including Canary Tony, came out. It escalated quickly from horsing around and fucking around to like, you know, air guns coming at them. That was one incident. The second thing is when he was stopped, you know, by you know, which I think are you know, corrupt Gainesville Police Department. I mean, they they've, they've had a hard on for for. Um, UF football for years, and that's well documented. Uh, but, you know, he gets stopped, and he has a, a gun in the backseat of his car, which is legal. So that's not even an incident. That's a... Yeah, he's got a gun in the car the same as having a six-pack in the backseat is. It's well, all the all, same. Who, who the hell gets stopped for a seatbelt? I mean, that's as that's UPD, I mean, GPD just trying to be dicks, which they always have been, and they, they always will be. But the point I'm making here is that all of these incidents all came to light like the day before the draft is that it leaked out into the press that these were the red flags, you know, whatever. And the reason why is because they're not real red flags. You know, everything. They were known. And they were known. They're not like, we didn't just 
It wasn't Woodward and Bernstein coming out and all of a sudden just, uh, you know, doing a five-year expose and uh, a think piece and came up with it. I mean, if you would have asked me, Grump, you know, back in last August, what do you should take on Canary's Tonys or anything to worry about? I would have told you about both incidents. It's nothing new. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this idea that it's in any way related to him not practicing at every single voluntary thing is ludicrous. It's stupid. Every year we see first round draft picks not do this. It's not that important. It's not that big of a deal. He was there. He's in New York. It doesn't. It just. It. It just doesn't matter. I mean, what's the narrative that these agents have been doing this year? And, and like the and rather the union, don't participate this year. You yeah. know. Yeah. Really. It's a bullshit thing about you know, you know, because they're concerned about COVID, which right now. You know, but we know that's not true. It, it's not related to COVID. They just don't want them to do it. That's right. The but they're using that as the uh, as, as the as the guys to have these guys not participate. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Whatever. Uh, basically, if you guys are worried about Kadarius Tony as a person, you don't have to. You know why? Because I don't think a single person a on the Giants beat, and I don't think a single Giants fan knows more about Kadarius Tony, the guy, than Mark McLeod, who we've already talked about on an episode. If you want to look it up, you can listen to Mark McLeod talk all about it on our episode with him. You know, to me, legitimately, I hadn't heard any of this shit until the day before the draft. It sounded like bullshit. When I read about it, I was like, oh, okay, it's bullshit, no big deal. And I didn't expect it to pick up steam in this, like, galloping kind of way where it's like oh we're going to talk about this and then we're not going to talk about it because we all agree it's bullshit and then like six months later talk about it again yeah welcome to 2021 though i mean that's how these things just kind of snowball i mean it could be canarius it could be any player any team that's just kind of the way it goes but but another guy who knows more than any media guy or any fan does Dave gentlemen and his staff I mean, they are the ones who, that's their job, is to do all the due diligence. Yeah, but you know what? That doesn't and matter to people it. like this because they'll say that he got burned by DeAndre Baker. He did all his due diligence on him, and he got screwed by him. So what does he know anyway? So whatever. The point is, people in Florida that have known Kadarius Tony since he, by the way, graduated co- uh, high school early so that he could enroll college early, um, you know, he's a good kid from all accounts. In fact, the wake-up call was that moment for him where reportedly he moved to his own apartment, which I assume he was living on campus in dorms, you know, which is probably with other players. He isolated himself from them to live in his own apartment and only really left the house for practice, school, and uh, to, to get food deliveries. So, I mean... He, the reason why there's no is, incidents after that is because he learned his lesson to stay out of trouble. And even, you know, he was the guy that, you know, was trying to get a, a rap career going. He, he recorded a lot of stuff. And even, you know, he had the come to Jesus moment of, you know, you're going to make millions of dollars if you are 100% committed to football and maybe not with a music career. So even, you know, that commitment kind of, was intensified for football. So, you know, at some points it was like, is this head really in the game? Is he, you know, literally, and, you know, is he giving 100% effort for his football career? And, you know, I think he, they had a come to Jesus meeting. I don't know if it was with Dan Mullen or family or, or who, but, you know, it was a different person, a much more mature person going into his senior year. All right, that's enough back there, Sony. I, I don't care anymore. It, it's, yeah. Um, but we should talk about Sam Beal. Sam Beal's in the news because it finally came to light that uh, he, I think he pleaded guilty um, last week to um, charges related to 2020. So in June of 2020, he was uh, pulled over and I guess arrested in Ohio um pulled over for probably a traffic violation and he had like an unlicensed gun in the car or some 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 bullshit like that a non-violent gun related crime but but let, let, let's since we talked about it a different situation from Kadarius Tony Kadarius exactly. Tony was legally allowed to have a gun in his car Sam Beal did not so right. let's it, 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 it's a 
semantic, but it is an important one. Well, it's for- not semantics. It, it's it's an actual legal issue, but at the end of the day, it's a nonviolent crime. He just had a gun in the car. It's the same. It's the same action. But one's legal, one's not. This, this is not a guy who beat his wife, threatened anyone with a gun, you know, nothing like that. So, um, but the important distinction is that all of this is news to most people. Um, last June, that this happened with Sam Beal, and uh, in August, eight days before he was indicted, he had decided to opt out for the 2020 season. So, you know, a lot of people. Their instant reaction to this news was that means Sam Beal is pretty much done. It's just a waste of time. And I I kind of disagree. I mean, if they decided that it wasn't really worth cutting him or whatever after finding this out. Remember, this happened a year ago. Uh, We're only just finding out about it now. They've already decided that they're okay with him being on the roster and they're going to give him an just as much of a shot to compete as everybody else. Does it make his chances harder? Probably, yeah. But, I mean, if he shows up to training camp and he shows himself as a clear-cut talent, there's no reason to think that this charge is, you know, going to prevent him from being a giant. You know what I mean? Like, it's To me, I'm not going to say it's no big deal, but, I mean, it's not a major, major problem. And they've already made their decision, as far as I'm concerned, on whether or not it bothers them. I guess, you know, we need to know, when did the Giants know about this? Is it something they found out in the newspaper as well as everybody else? Or were they alerted of this happening back in June? You know, also, did this factor into his decision to take a COVID year? Well, the, the, the article written by Art Stapleton said that the official statement from the Giants is that they have known was the actual wording used. So, I mean, and usually when these things happen, one of the first calls that these guys make is, you know, they're in connection with their agent and they're in connection with their team. The team, it's very rare that the team doesn't know. What I can tell you is that there's a 0% chance that they just found out. They didn't just find out anything. Well, I mean, or even did they not know for like a period of time? But I guess, you know... (laughs) I mean, it's pretty shocking if this took almost a year to come out. I mean, there are, you know, there are people whose job it is is to scour, you know, either TMZ or just go through blotters and look for, you know, anybody. It could be someone in sports or entertainment or a public official or anybody. I'm pretty shocked that this didn't get out for a year as it is. Yeah, in any capacity. You're right. Um, but yeah, basically, I think this makes his chances a lot harder to make the team, but I don't think that it... I, I, first of all, he's currently on the 90-man roster, which means he has a shot. I mean, there's no reason to carry him whatsoever. But again, the, you know, th- this, is a, this isn't really like a major problem, and if they're comfortable with him, then it's about talent. It's getting pretty late early for Sam Beal. I mean, of course. do you name... You know, we can go through the whole laundry list of all the reasons why he's not been on the field. You know, and, you know, we were, he was, he was the supplemental pick. And so there's, when, when you are one, you have a kind of heightened expectations. You're something special. You know, it's not a normal third round pick. It's always a supplemental pick. So, you know, that's kind of a, oh, you know, the spotlight's on you a little bit more. And, you know, you invested... You've invested your future now. You're basically said, I'm going to use one of my draft picks early for this. And, you know, you name the reason he's not been on the field. It's been a, it's been a complete bust of a pick. And uh, he wasn't a Gettleman pick, was he? Was he before Gettleman? No, he's a Gettleman pick. All right, so Gettleman will... No. He might get the little benefit of that actually because it was the guy who drafted him still is in charge. If he would have been a Jerry Reese guy, probably no chance he's still on the roster anymore. It may not have been, you know, 10 months ago either. Um, you know, but they made their decision that they're, you know, they, they know, again, they know more of the facts than the media than we do, and they're comfortable with it. They'll go out there and compete. I don't think he was a favorite. I don't think he's even a favorite to even make the roster even before this thing. I don't think this is going to make that much of a difference. I think it's a pretty, lo- it's a pretty loaded unit right now. And everybody's going to be scratching and clawing for a roster 
but a starting job, time on the field. So, you know, if, if, if they've made the decision, they're going to let him compete. Again, no one's going to remember this in November if he's on the team or if he's a distant memory. Oh, of course, because it's not really a big deal. But um, What's it big is deal? It, 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 it's I mean, not. It's not a big deal. This is not – This again, this is like – there are worse – This would you say that driving drunk is a worse crime? Yes. Okay, Dave Deal, Dave Deal, Giants favorite, Giants favorite Dave Deal was was at one time arrested for drunk driving. Nobody remembers that. Nobody cares. That's a much bigger deal than what's going on here. No, no, no. I mean, looking, you're also looking back at you know the the career and everything and hindsight on it. But at the time, it's a big deal. I mean, you can say the same thing about LT. I mean, LT did horrible things too, and nobody, you know. Time heals old wounds. No one remembers, you know, those things as much. But it is a it is a big deal. It's just how the decision to handle it is a big deal as well. And they made, you know, a decision to keep them. And so it's not excuse that it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. They're just moving on from it. You know how when you know it's not a big deal? Because, I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, because we're talking about it and it's the only thing there is to talk about. It's silly season. It's silly. I mean, it's it's it is silly. This isn't this isn't a guy has to get cut for this kind of thing. So it's okay. Just relax, everybody. Wait for training camp. Then we can discuss Sam Beal and his worth to the team, etc. But until then, we're going to talk about Week Nine uh, at the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah? No. This no. Is at no. Home. This is home. Yeah. Trump, if it was that Las Vegas, you would have our plane tickets booked, and we'd be we'd probably be there already pre gaming. Yeah, but uh, versus the Las Vegas Raiders at home Sunday one o'clock, the Giants are five and three by my account and five and three by your account. How do you think this game plays out? Giants will be six and three. Let's put this one as a win in pen. All right. Uh, you know, adding on to kind of my. My narrative of you know this team is turning a corner and winning, starting to win games that they should win. This is a game they should win, right? I mean, this Raider team. Now we're in what year four of John Gruden? That sounds right. They spent a lot of money on John Gruden, and uh, <laughs> I would say they're not getting their bang for their buck for turning that organization around. Um. Well, he has a share in the team now. That was part of his deal, right? I don't know about that. I, I don't think know it was the first time in NFL history that is it even is that even legal? I know you can't do it for players. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that he got like a share in the team as part of his contract. Hmm. Well, <laughs> great. That means I can't get rid of him. <laughs> He's part that's of their own. problem, not mine. Yeah, that that's their complete problem. Um. Do we know for sure who their quarterback is going to be when the season starts? We, it's got to be. It's got to be Derek Carr. We sure about that? I mean, the other option's Mariota. Well, the other option could. The other option could be potentially Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, if I mean, you were Aaron Rodgers, are you going to go there? Is that really worse in Green Bay? Well, I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'd stay in Green Bay. I just was. What was I? Just thirteen and three. Yeah, I have a really. pretty good team. I have a pretty good team around me, and. Uh, I mean, are you still going to be asked bet because they drafted a quarterback last year? I mean, he's an incredible prick. And it's, you know, he's losing this PR battle with everybody. Uh, But, I mean, it's just, that's the only way that I would kind of go off of my, uh, you know, win and pen prediction is if they do get him. And I think it's a possibility. But, and if we're going by how we're doing these predictions, like what the current roster is as of this moment, I will put this as a win and pen. All right. So cranky fans got them at six and three. I actually have this as a loss in pen and it's not for really, loss any, pen. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really for any logical reason. I think on any normal one day exhibition game on paper, the giants and Raiders are, are they're kind of close in terms of roster talent. I think, the Raiders should be ahead by all accounts, being that they got the head start with their, you know, their their revamping of the team. But they're, they're just not very good. Um, as far as rosters go, though, I, I think talent wise, they're pretty close. I just don't, I don't like the timing of playing this game right before the bye. You know, I, I think that 
this is a chance where maybe they get a little too relaxed going into the bye and you know, I, I think Derek Carr is underrated as a quarterback. I think that he's had some struggles. He's not perfect, but he's also not been given a good opportunity. I mean, this this roster is behind. They should be better than they are, and they're not. And it's because I don't think Mike Mayock is a very good GM, but whatever. Oh, well, yeah. that's one of those ridiculous picks where you're just, A, we're just glad he's not doing, you know, anything on TV anymore. Just he's out of our lives. Uh, but, yeah, but let's look at the schedule. Um, before we, I, I see your your thesis is right before the bye, but they're going to be playing at Kansas City, which 99 out of 100 times is going to be a heavy loss, most likely. They got this Raider game, then the bye, then they're at Tampa Bay. So I, I don't know how that's a trap game where there's a very good potential that they may not win a game in a month. So that's a game like they have to win. I mean, I, 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 can't. I just don't think they do. I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Just because they have to, because it's in between two tough games, I don't know what to tell you. I no, no, because you said you thought because like with the bye coming up and everything, I. I me, just the, think that they're 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 aching to get to that bye. They take their foot off the gas a little bit because you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're. If this was a college team, I could believe that a little more. But you know, these are professionals and. Again, oh, but it happens every year with most their, teams. If they get their asses kicked the week before at Kansas City, I think they're going to want to. Ah, but know. there's a thing. I don't think they get their asses kicked the week before. Oh, that'd be I, wonderful. I, I have it as a loss in pen, but I outlined all the things that I don't think Kansas City, all the little areas where I don't think Kansas City is as good as everybody else. And, you know, we had a long conversation about Steve Spagnuolo's defense and what he's good at, what he's not. I think that they lose that game. I'm very confident about it, but I don't think it's a blowout. That's my opinion. So so that's kind of where we differ. I don't think they go into Kansas City and get the shit kicked out of them. I think they actually fight up to their competition and lose. Um, and I, I think that, you know, at some point, you know, they, they take their, their foot off the gas going to the bye, you know. I, I, and I think that this Raider team is a little bit better than people are giving it credit for. I mean, you have a, a good wide receiver group here with Ruggs and John Brown and Renfro and even Zay Jones, Willie Sneed. Those are, that's a solid group. And, and quite frankly, Derek Carr hasn't had a lot of people to throw to. It's made him look bad. You know, they get Alex Leatherwood to man the right tackles, but they're instantly better on the offensive line. I don't think they're that bad. I think that they'll be able to move the ball effectively and, and score points. I think that I have this as a loss in pen just because it, I just don't like the way this game feels. But I think that this is a final minute heartbreaking loss. I, you know, on offense, I think the Giants are also going to put up points. I, I don't think they're going to get crushed at home or anything like that. Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel good to me. So I have this one as a loss in pen. This would be. I've said this a couple of times in our predictions. If this was last year, I'd have this as a loss. I don't think so this year. This team, I think, is will be better and will be more consistent that they win this game. This is one of the few first times, like, this is a game they should win. They actually do. So I'm, I'm going to stick with my winning pencil on this one. And then they have a, ten, a week 10 bye, which, by the way, the Giants the last, like, I want to say, like, eight years have had a very, very favorable middle-of-the-year bye week. Yeah, last year I had a a loss in pen at the bye. This week I'm going to have a win in pen. There you go. Yeah. I, I I feel they come out, you know, they come out fresh against the bye. They're out man them. They you know, they roll. We win by week. Yeah. And we and you know it's on to Tampa Bay. Yeah, those head to head matchups between the player and their bed. You know. <laughs> um. But then and then they roll into week eleven. They go to Tampa Bay Monday night eight fifteen. Against the Buccaneers, how do you feel? Should have been last year. That's the way I felt about that game. I felt, you know, I know it was a much different Tampa Bay team the end of the year than when we faced them. Uh, but we should have beat them. You know, we had a couple uh, you know, little silly turnovers that really cost us that win. But, you know, they didn't do much on offense against us last year. Having said that, Tampa Bay is a lot better than they were last year. Um, I think this is going to be a loss in pencil, but I think we are going to, this is going to be a very high rated game. You know, obviously a Monday night, Monday before Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, I cannot go 
I'm going to be on vacation, so that's a big bummer. Uh, but I, I think they're going to – it's going to be a moral victory where they look good. They just lost to a more talented team, and they lost to a more talented quarterback. Um, you know, I think it's kind of like a 20, 27, 24 type of game maybe. Um, we overachieve, but we, we just don't win. So I'm going to put this as a loss in pencil. I have this as a win in pen. Uh, I, I, you know, they have, listen, they have the bye week the week before. That helps. That's something, okay? Tampa Bay got hot down the stretch last year. I don't care. The Giants, with bullshit for weapons last year, kept this game tight without doing anything to improve the DBs, by the way. Uh, Tampa Bay is now going to face real weapons and hopefully some downfield play calling which there was a little of in that game. Um, I have much more respect for Todd Bowles than I think a lot of people in this area who are Jets fans have, and I think a lot. I think even some people in the Florida area. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Todd Bowles. I think Jet fans are just idiots. Yeah, but he's not a miracle worker. So I would love to see Sean Murphy bunting or Carlton Davis try to stand toe-to-toe just one time against Kenny Galladay. Well, I, I would say he's a miracle worker because his team won the Super Bowl with that talent that we saw with our own two eyes the year before, and we thought it was one of the worst defenses we ever saw. No, I, I don't I don't think he's a miracle worker at all. I think he's a good defensive coordinator that also had the luxury of having an offense that scored points, allows your defense to play with a lead, is totally different. They also got to play a Chiefs team that decided that they don't need backup offensive linemen. You know, (laughs) it's true. I'm just saying, the best thing that they did do is they added Joe Tryon to that defensive line to help with aging guys like um, Jason Pierre Paul. Um, But other than that, they didn't really do anything else to the defense. There's not much else there. This is. Basically, the 2020 Tampa Bay Bucks that almost lost to the 2020 Giants, but this is not the 2020 Giants that's coming to town. And there is no way that I'm paying for everyone's food on Christmas. So this is a win and pay. <laughs> this is a, you know something? If you lose, you got to pay two. That's, we haven't paid up for last year. And if and if we win, then we just pay for our own meals. We're all even, Steven. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I have this as a win and pen. And quite frankly, I think there is some there's some basis for this. Like I'm not pulling this entirely out of my ass. I really don't think that Tampa Bay did a lot to improve the team this year in the off season. This is pretty much the same roster. I mean, we're pulling guys out of fucking retirement to play tight end. You know, this is the same. And granted it's a Super Bowl winning roster, but it's also a team that very narrowly beat the giants last year, a much worse giants team. We think so. I have this as a win in pen with the bye week as you know, the wind in their sails going into. And then you're pen to God's ears. Yeah, really. And then the Giants roll back home against the Philadelphia Eagles on a Sunday, one o'clock. This is a win in pen. This is a, this is a terrible team that could be by the time we face them in, you know, Late November, really terrible. We don't know, you know, the quarterback situation could be another complete mess. You know, they they rolled the dice with with, with quarterback this year, and I think that's going to backfire on them horribly. I, you know, first year coach, we have no idea what's going to happen with that. I just think that teams, this may be one of the three worst teams in the league this year, and I think we will pounce on a really bad team. You know, we, we get to play them at home, you know, after that, uh, you know, after that Tampa Bay game, which will be, you know, an emotional game. You know, it's, you when you get up to play the Super Bowl champs, you know, get up for Monday night football, you know, it's a little bit of a quicker turnaround to come back, but Philly's going to be bad. And uh, again, I think this team, you know, with the talent level and just getting their shit together will, be able to overcome, you know, after losing a game like the Tampa Bay game is, I think they win. I think this is a win in pen. I right, this is a win in pen. Right, fuck this team. Fuck this city. 
The, the, the Eagles did almost nothing to improve their defense, though it is going to be tough to know exactly what their defense will look like now that Jim Schwartz is no longer the defensive coordinator. But the D-line is still the only thing to worry about, and we watched it get thinner and thinner over the last few years. Fletcher Cox is still the big kahuna, but Brandon Graham is pretty much at the end of his career. And in fact, if I wasn't so confused on how they're going to use Ryan Kerrigan in a 4-3, if they're even going to play a 4-3 defense, I would say that Graham is probably on the bench behind him. Um, you know, the defensive line is all they have. You know, the, the back end features basically no one of any consequence outside of Darius Slay, who I guess is going to be expected to cover four receivers and two tight ends in that game. That'd be the something. Giants, the Giants are scoring points in this game. End of story. I mean, that's just, that is what it is. On the flip side, Philly fans can yank their crank all they want about drafting Devontae Smith, you know, much to his chagrin, but... Right now, I see Hurts, Flacco, and Mullins, and I honestly don't know who gives them the best chance to win at quarterback. I, I mean, really, Smith Smith is a non-issue in a wide receiver room full of non-issues. I'll, I'll throw one. I'll throw a prediction at you right now. I think they make a panic trade for somebody and throw that quarterback into the mix who is not a long-term solution, and they give up too much to get him. So, Mid-season? Yeah. So the quarterback who we face may not even be on the roster right now. Something. I mean, this, you know, Eagles are one of those teams that will never admit that they have to completely rebuild. And in, in a large respect, we're like that as well. It took us a long time to admit what we had to do. And they will still barely cling to what they think is a team that, eh, a few pieces away, we can turn this thing around. Where we've talked about it a lot on this show, what their salary cap issues are and the draft coming up, all the problems they're going to have with picks and things. And don't be shocked if a mid-level quarterback is available. Like maybe, you know, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is available or something. And, you know, he's he gets his four games and then he's done. And they panic and they trade for him. I, I just, I think they made a mistake, you know, deciding that Hurts is going to be their guy. And I think if I think this team flounders, and I I, I just have that gut feeling they're going to make a move. And when it happens, people are going to it's going to be for headlines. They'll be a talking point for a day or two, but they will mortgage more of their future for trying to do a quick fix if it doesn't help. Yeah, I could see that happening, and it's it's pretty alarming that you know when we talk about their salary cap issues, a lot of it is going to pay a player to go play for another team at quarterback which, by the way, is probably the biggest problem on this team right now. So they really fucked up big time. But I'm pretty sure that the Giants coaches are going to remind all the players of what happened in Week 17 last year and what Philly did to rob them. And I believe it in my core that there is going to be video of that playing while they practice for a whole week. Uh, and, and, man, I really think the Giants are going to come to just – Absolute. And by the way, I expect that stadium to be loud. I was going to say, you know who else is going to remember that? The fans. Because remember, we're talking about a year where there are no fans at all. Everybody who watched that game on TV sat there and probably broke you know, furniture, appliances, glassware in their houses. They were so pissed. Uh, a shitty Philly team means there'll be far less of those cheesesteaks coming up the turnpike. There'll be more giant fans. If this giant team is, you know, excitement that's kind of been building for this team after last year and, you know, smelling the whiff of maybe being a legitimate division winner, you know, that stadium should be packed and should be packed with giant fans. And you're right. They'll be out for blood. So we both got that as a winning pen. And then... Week 13, the Giants fly to Miami for a 1 o'clock Sunday game. How do you feel about that one? I feel like me and you, Grump, should be in Miami because it's going to be cold as shit up here by then. And I think we need to make that trip. We definitely should have that uh, as a road trip in pencil right now. I've been saying it since before it was, that game was even announced as being a real thing. Yeah, the only issue with that is it's the Sunday after the SEC game and hopefully... Well, best case is we just fly Sunday morning from Atlanta right to Miami. It's only an hour and change flight. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's look into that one. Uh, game itself. We've come a long way this year. Uh, a lot more consistent, increased level of talent and play. 
we're not ready to go and consistently go on the road and win games. And I think this is one of those games where, you know, we may not play poorly, but I just don't think we're going to win. I'm going to put this one as a loss in pen, just for schedule placement and, you know, I don't think we're that good just yet to go in there and assume we're winning games like that. I see that as just being a, a disappointing loss, something that's like a little bit of a reality check type game, and we get ready for the, the, the final stretch of games for the playoff run. Yeah, I've got I've got this one as a uh, a loss in pencil. Uh, to me, this is again this is a lot about timing, right? This is an away game after two emotional victories. It just feels like trouble. That's usually kind of when when the trip up happens. Miami on paper feels like a worse roster, but their coaches really turned that team into a, a you know a, a fighting group last year. An overachieving team, we think. Yeah. I, I, what I'm saying though is that, and I've said this a million times on this podcast over the years, is that the difference between, you know, the middle of the pack team and the top teams, it's coaching, it's all coaching. I mean, these guys are the best in the world at what they do, and sometimes, you know, you have a really good player that plays like shit because he's not being utilized the best way possible, and a good coach finds ways to to to, to play his players in the best possible way. I mean. Coaching coaching is such an important thing. The talent gap in the NFL is very razor thin. Yeah, the talent gap from Tampa Bay to the Jets is a fraction of what it is like in college football, for example. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, in college football even, you have in the SEC, Alabama and then Vanderbilt. And that talent gap is massive. But then you bring Vanderbilt to play, I, I, I don't know. Nevada. Yeah, you have them play like a, uh, you know, a second tier co- conference. You know, uh, the American Conference or the or the WAC. You know, they're they're, they're going to compete. You have them playing a, a bad conference team. You know, they, they're all of a sudden significantly better. I mean, Vanderbilt schedules homecoming games too. They're not scheduling teams to come in and beat them at homecoming. They're out there. Yeah, and and you know what that you know. We're talking about coaching like this roster is bad. It's not a bad roster, you know. It, make no mistake about Tua. He can, he can really do it, and he can make up for a lot of the deficiency on offensive line with his movement skills. He's not like a, a you know. I wouldn't say he's not Lamar Jackson kind of runner, but he's very good at navigating the pocket and just doing the little moves. Keeps his eyes downfield, but does move well. I think people have given up on him too quickly. Way too quickly. I mean, how old is he? 23? 22? I don't even think it matters. It's his second no, year. That's what I'm saying. It's like the guy is a pup. And I think people have kind of, they form their opinions pretty quickly. Uh, you know, they kind of forgot about him with the injuries. He came back. He's obviously wasn't 100%, I don't think, last year. And they gave up on him. And it's like, are they going to trade him? And it's like, well, no. I mean, this guy... In high in college, we thought was a a franchise quarterback coming out, and I have no reason to believe he still won't. Let, let's you know, let's not go to the next best thing before the best thing is you know proven to not be the best thing. Yeah, and and you know what, Devonte Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, these are guys he's throwing to. I think we're going to struggle a little bit. I think. Honestly, it just comes down to I, I don't think the Giants are going to play at their best. Like I, I think I think the Giants will key out one of those guys, one of the one of the ones you expect, like Devontae Parker, for instance. Let's just say he just gets totally nixed out of this game. But I think guys like Waddle and I don't know some fourth wide receiver we've never heard of, or, or Gasecki, the uh, the tight end, they'll kill us in this game. It's just one of those games where a guy you just don't even expect. Just he puts up crazy stats, and it's the difference, you know. And not for nothing, this Miami defense is pretty damn good. I mean, especially the back end between Zayvon Howard and and Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, and Holland. That's a pretty good starting group, and I, I think honestly, of all the defenses we faced, it's probably the one best suited with a good coach best suited to shut down the weapons that the Giants do have. Because remember, we don't really have Joe Montana throwing to these weapons either, and we don't exactly have Sean Payton calling the plays either. So as 
as much as the Giants did to improve their weapons over the offseason, it's still not all the way there. We got to see significant leaps from Daniel Jones. We got to see Jason Garrett open up the playbook a little bit. So it, it's not just a paper war here. So I, I don't know. To me, this one feels shaky. I have this as a loss in pencil. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, this game is a week or two earlier. I might feel a little differently, but I just, I'm not ready yet with this team. This Miami team, do you think this team could really challenge Buffalo to win the division? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be in the hunt. You know, it, it, the NFL always comes down to injuries and stuff, so as long as you're in the hunt, that's good enough. If, Buffalo, if, if something happens to Josh Allen for two games, yeah, I think they could win the division. Well, I mean, all things, all things assuming equal. All things, uh, you know, let's take injuries out of it. Well, no, I don't think that they'll they'll if both teams are at full strength for the whole year. No, I don't think they overtake Buffalo to win the AFC East. But I think again, I think that this is a playoff. Team, it's right. It's a fringe playoff team. They, they could be a sneaky team, like to, to, yeah. to give Buffalo a run for their money. Yeah, you, you wouldn't bet on Miami, but you wouldn't be shocked if they won a division. Or would you? No, no. I mean, I would be. Yeah, actually, I would be shocked if they won the division. All things equal. You know what I mean? Actually, if if Buffalo is at full strength and Miami's at full strength and they still win the division, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised. But. The NFL doesn't work that way. People get hurt. It's part of the game. It's an important part of the game. Um, and I think I think that they'll be in the hunt right behind Buffalo to get to the, the playoffs. But, you know, should anything happen to Buffalo, absolutely. I think they're the favorite to take the division right after Buffalo. The Jets aren't there yet. Um, New England, you know, they're always going to be a contender with Bill Belichick there, but I'm not loving the roster as it's set up right now. I don't like their quarterback situation right now. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I mean, to me, the two teams that have the biggest variance where they can end up, all things equal, you know, without either injuries or a, a significant roster update, I, I think are the Giants in, in Miami. Yeah, I mean, and they're, they're going to be often compared to each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see, you know, one of those teams all of a sudden being 11-5 or, or I guess 12-5 this year and one of them being 5-12 and 12, just for bad circumstance. I mean, they're the most wild cardy. I don't mean that in terms of wild card playoff team. Just their, path, yeah. their path can go in many different directions, both of these teams. A lot of it's tied to the quarterback position, but a lot of it's just how are guys going to mature that, you know, now with a full off season and have a chance to actually play. How will this offensive line for the Giants gel together? These young guys. It's a young offensive line, but they're pretty much the five. You know, they could be significant increases from last year or be shitty. And if Daniel Jones doesn't take that leap and we're you know still stuck in the mud of an offense, that could be a multi-game swing in how we end up this year. I think the same could be said for Miami. So with five games left heading into week 14, we both have the Giants at seven and five. How does that make you feel? If, 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 that, if, if we're 100% on our predictions and the Giants are seven and five going to week 14, you feeling pretty good? You feeling okay? feeling great. I'm feeling, based on the way I kind of plotted this out, I'm feeling fantastic. It's significantly different than last year. There is... Obviously, positive momentum, but for seven to five, that's telling me that I just alluded to. Daniel Jones has taken a step up. The offensive line has to taken a step up. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I mean, and anything more than seven to five at this point would be almost a little unrealistic to where we think we would be and where we would end up. So seven to five sounds it sounds optimistic but realistic to me. Yeah, same. And the thing is about this record at this time is that seven and five is great, but these last five games, no matter what the record in, are going to be so important. So that's kind of a tease for next for next week's episode because the Giants will have three division games and a fourth game that influences their first round pick because they play the Bears. So that's those last five games at home stretch. So much can change in those five games. And what we say every year, like, well, what's your goal for the season? Our 
goal for the season always, the first goal is meaningful football after Thanksgiving. And you take it for granted when you're good, because when you're not, it sucks and your season's basically over. You're watching those Thanksgiving games and you're like, that's a different sport than the one my Giants play in. Yeah, for real. You know, so the first step of it would be, and I think we both have it to seven and five, we will have meaningful games in December. Absolutely. And with that, that's going to do it for us for this week. Next week, we'll cover those last five games, and then we'll have more off-season content forthcoming after that. But for now, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. You know, it's playoffs. The lighting. Screw you, Islanders. Everything else going on. You know, the NBA playoffs are fun. Uh... I don't know if I told you, I actually went out to Brooklyn last Monday to see a uh, Nets Bucks as a just an NBA fan. And it's striking how different it is in going to an NBA game in the playoffs. The weird city in New York where the Nets are much more popular as a national brand than a local brand. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we, we talked about it on the podcast. We talked about it right before, like off off the recording, but yeah, um, the, the, those vibes in Madison Square Garden were uh, were something else. And you know something? Those vibes can happen in, in MetLife. I mean, yeah, they, long time. You know, obviously before we started our podcast, you know, long time season ticket holders and fans, they remember the old Giant Stadium. I mean, when you know that game in two thousand, the forty-one nothing route, and obviously those games in the eighties. You know, you could see the old grainy footage and stuff, but that place was an insane asylum. And I think, you know, we we, we, we lament, you know, the days pass where the, the real fan is there and how it's kind of priced out. But I think when you get to the playoffs and this team with a fan base that's been waiting a while to get back to the promised land, I think they can ratchet up to a 10 pretty quickly and, and get the new place uh, rocking again. Yeah, that, that, that place gets loud when it wants to. I, we were there in 2011, so. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and with that, that's going to do it for us. So we will see you all next week. Go Giants. Okay.